Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast where all we do is talk shift. Because when we feel stuck or when we're ready to level up, we have to shift. And that process must begin with our thinking. A shift in our outer world starts with a shift in our inner world. And that, my friends, is the antidote to feeling stuck. By now, you know that I love to bring guests on who are deep thinkers and coaches, they're therapists and authors and others who are using their voices, their experiences and expertise to help people get unstuck and create their version of a sweet life. Today, I've asked Andrew Goldman to join me. Andrew does business development for Gary V. Now, for those of you who do not know who Gary V is, Gary Vaynerchuk of VaynerMedia and Empathy Wines, um, and being a like massive social media influencer, well, he is just he's making shift happen nonstop all across the globe, which is why that I always make this kind of little ironic comment. Uh, about him at the very end of every podcast. If you're not familiar, just Google him. Trust me, uh, he's easy to find. But anyway, Andrew, um, he also has a podcast called No Overnight Success, which I have really been enjoying. Um, Here's his podcast description, which I love. It's people who overcome their fears and pursue their dreams inspire me. My intention is to introduce high achievers from different walks of life and share valuable stories and interviews that help you learn and grow. Turning into TV and, or tuning, I should say, into TV and the internet, we often see finished products, but in reality, a tremendous amount of work and fear, pain and struggle um, is a part of the journey. And my interest lies in the lessons learned from the journey. Now, that sounds a lot like what We're Talking Shift is all about, isn't it? So if you've been a follower of my podcast for a while now, you will recognize it. That's kind of what we're all about, which is why I think Andrew and I um, hit it off so well and resonated so much. Um, so we, uh, we recently connected by phone when he called me to chat about Empathy Wine, which is a Gary V, uh, which is Gary V's wine company. And yeah, we just, um, we've become like fast friends. So Andrew, welcome to We're Talking Shift. Thank you for having me on. Of course, of course. Um, this is kind of funny how fast this happened. I mean, was it just like, yesterday or the day before that we went, let's just quick do this. Let's do this podcast on Friday. I, I mean, it was only been a day or two is, do I have that right? It was only like yesterday or the day before that we decided to do this. Right. Um, but truthfully, we, when I called you, so just to backtrack, I called you from Gary Vaynerchuk's team, uh, yes. do business development for Gary and a big project of his is empathy wines. Uh-huh. So I think it was like a w- week and a half ago, I gave you a call and we just really vibed out. Um, yes. I love connecting with people that see things, see the world similar to I, how I do from a philosophy standpoint and that we could kind of go back and forth and share our experiences. So yeah, I was, I was, I was really excited to do this. And as soon as I got your message, if you've ever, if you'd ever want to be on the podcast, Andrew, I'd love to have you. And I was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> I know it is kind of funny how this whole thing unfolded. So I'm going to, I'm going to do what you started here and backtrack a little bit. So you guys, Andrew and I got connected because basically about, yeah, a week and a half ago, Andrew sends me an email, um, because he is on the, um, Gary V team and he is, uh, working on empathy wines. And so I get an email and it's, uh, a very friendly email that says, Hey, you know, basically, um, can we schedule a phone call and chat about wine? And I was like, well, sure, that's different, but heck yeah, happy to. So a couple of days later, 
our scheduled uh, call comes up and Andrew calls me right on time, which I love because <laughs> I was like, is this really going to happen? What's go- What's this all about? You know? And uh, I mean, I was suspicious and, uh, and Andrew calls me right on time. And Andrew, if I'm not mistaken, we ended up talking for like 35 or 40 minutes. And I'd say out of that 40 minutes, we talked about wine for maybe 10 would you say? I, I agree. It's I, I like hearing people's stories. And Lori, you you have an amazing story, and your and your husband Eric are at a really cool stage. It sounds like so. I was happy to chat. There's so many different synergies and parallels that we discussed. So naturally, we couldn't get off the phone. Right, right. We just we covered a lot of ground. We did. We talked about, yeah, relationships and my husband and I and what I do and what you're doing and what he does. And, you know, again, we talked we talked, of course, a little bit about wine, too. And which I guess we could say that, you know, wine brought us together. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you, Empathy Wines. Um, and then we also, though, discovered that we each have podcasts. You're being a guest on mine today, but you have your own podcast, which is pretty cool. It was two years in the making. And when I say two years in the making, it was me getting out of my own head and getting out of my own way, which I think oftentimes we realize as we get older, our own biggest enemy is ourselves. Uh, so it's just two years of getting out of my own way and just starting. And uh, the podcast is called No Overnight Success. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a few different themes. One being, I think we as people often view the end result and we see that like, oh, look at how good he is at basketball. Oh, look how successful he or she is at business. Look at how great of a mom or person she is. Well, we don't take the, the time to take the necessary steps back to see where did they start what pain or adversity did they go through to get to where they are? Yes. And, and I've always been fascinated by that. So that's kind of the origin story. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's interviews with people from Team Gary V, people who I've met through serendipity, like selling empathy wines. Uh, and then there's like four to 10 minute rants for me, like skills and tactics on how, to de- how I develop self-awareness, for example. And one of them being journaling. I think there's a lot of benefit of, getting your thoughts out of your head and on paper yeah, um, to kind yeah. of see things from a different perspective. And I just share things I've lived uh, and experienced to get to where I am. Uh, so th- that's kind of the origin and the angle of it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And um, both of those things, in fact, just before we, um, we started recording this podcast, I quick jumped on and I just listened to your podcast, your rant, as you call it, on journaling, mm-hmm. which, uh, mm-hmm. which was really good. I love mm-hmm. these little five-minute things that you do. I think that's a really <laughs> great idea. I've been actually trying to get myself to do that. And kind of like you said earlier, I think I keep getting in my own way, though. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done it yet. But I loved the, what you said about that because, you know, everything that you said – I've had I've had the same experiences or I've had in the, the same viewpoints on and there is there's absolutely something it's hard to describe that happens when you take things out of your head and put them on paper. It's kind of magical. It gives you per- it's magical. I'll give you an example. One year ago today I was in Bali and I journaled how my dream was to work uh, for Gary Vee was to be in his ecosystem. So I literally took that out of my mind and I put that in a journal. Yes. And I think oftentimes we don't always know how things work, uh, but that doesn't mean that they don't work. Uh, and I urge people that are in different spots of their life, uh, there's no harm in it. There's no harm in trying it. Uh, so so that, that's one like very specific way. Mm-hmm. But from a different perspective, I think in today's world, life happens so fast. There's so many different experiences we have. Sometimes we don't even stand still to capture the moment. Uh, and I, I felt like a lot of moments were coming and going, and uh, they were almost becoming a blur. And I, I wanted to remember them. I wanted to remember what I was feeling, what I was going through, uh, what adversity had I overcome, and how, I, how did I do that? Um, so that was... It was really selfish. It was like a, one of those selfishly selfless decisions uh, to start journaling, but I, I can't even uh, 
fully summarize the benefits I felt from it. Yeah. And I, I mean, in all honesty, I go through phases with that. I'll go through phases where I'll be journaling and I'll sit down and, and I'll start the day with it, you know, like 20 minutes or 30 minutes and yep. just, just writing whatever comes up. I'm like, okay, whatever is coming up, I'm just going to write it. Uh, and I'll just set a, a time limit. Like, okay, I've got 15 minutes. I'm just write nonstop for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it is. And when I do it, yeah, I love it. It feels so good. And then something happens and I, you know, I miss a day or I, and I get out of the phase and then it's a while before I jump back in it. And I'm always so happy when I do. So it's, it's, you kind of reminded me when I saw your podcast, your little rant on that. And I listened to it a few minutes ago and I've made myself a note here to, um, pick up the practice again. Cause I got away from it a little bit. I think when we, everything shifted when we moved, um, about a month ago. And so all, all rituals and routines got kind of shaken up and now I'm trying to get them all, you know, back in place. And that's definitely one of them. It's, it's very beneficial. I, and I, I know all too well, like when you move, it's so easy like to lose those habits, rituals, and routines that you had. Uh, but it's like a practice just like anything else. And, and you know this, Lori. You just get right back on it. And no one's judging you other than yourself. It, that's like the funny thing. Uh, no, yeah. no one's judging you for not journaling. No one's judging you for not going to the gym. No one's judging you for not reading. But if those are really habits that you want to get back at, get back to doing it's literally as simple as starting and journaling for one minute it's literally yeah. as simple as opening a book and reading for two minutes it's literally as simple as go to the gym or go to the gym or at home and doing push-ups for five minutes and just building that positive momentum uh yeah. to keep it going totally i absolutely um subscribe to that i have used that method so many times, more times than I could possibly count when it's, um, like time to go to the gym or, you know, get in a workout. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm coming up with maybe excuses. And so then what I do is I go, you know what, rather than going, no, I don't have 40 minutes to spend doing, you know, three body parts and then some stretching and then some ab work, you know? So then what I do is I go, you know what, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to spend five minutes doing ab work. That's it. So that way I at least get there. And then once I do that, all of a sudden, like you said, the momentum is going and then I end up doing all the other stuff because I'm like, oh, this feels so good. I don't want to stop. And I love the quote. I love the quote like back to I have 40 minutes. I need a 40 minute workout, but I don't have 40 minutes now. I love the quote. It's uh, you have to be cautious not to not to be fooled. And you're the easiest person to fool. I love mm -hmm. that quote. And I, I often catch myself fooling myself and finding excuses for myself instead of just taking action. Mm -hmm. Literally exactly what I was doing for two years with not starting the podcast. I, I don't have anything to say. Who are going to be my guests? Where am I going to distribute it? These are all things that I'm fooling myself because I'll figure them out. Yes. The act of just going and starting is the win. You're so right. You're so, so right. I, I 100%. I love that. So let's go ahead because we've already referenced um, Mr. V several times. So I love your story. I listened to it um, on your podcast. I think it was your second one, right? And how, how you met Gary and ended up on, on the Gary V team here. Do you want to share that story? Because I think it was pretty cool and just full of synchronicities that, I don't know, I think, I think you've got a gift, Andrew. I think you are a very intuitive dude. <laughs> so, so I would love for you to share that with everyone you want to i appreciate you saying that the, the intuitive part uh i think i think i don't know my dad has an incredible intuition uh so i think i get some of that from him the thing about that in the past was i was always blocking my intuition with my ego uh my need for validation my need for recognition i i grew up playing really competitive soccer and chess and i went to drexel on a soccer scholarship so like my whole life, I got recognition and attention from scoring goals, being successful. Uh, and mm -hmm. those are things that feed the ego. So mm -hmm. a lot of what I was doing in my 20s, in my later 20s, from like 22 to 30, 
and truthfully, I said this to Gary when I met him, uh, and I'm excited to publish the video of literally meeting Gary in an Uber. That was my first interview with Gary. Nice. Um, it, it was just like getting out of my own way, getting out of like not leaning into my ego and leaning into my true soul and that's serving people. Uh, so long story short, in the tw- in 20s, I went all in on myself. Uh, I didn't go the path that maybe many people would have thought. Uh, I, I could have gone, I've got a job on Wall Street and I just thought it wasn't for me. And I left and joined a startup, left this, stayed there for two years, learned how to do sales. I, I got like a, the fundamentals. Uh, and then I went mm-hmm. out on my own and that's when I found Harry's contact. Um, and as I was going out on my own, so growing up, my dad had a cafe business. We came here as immigrants. He worked his way up. And he bought out this cafe business, which provided for our family for a long time. And I grew up in that business. What was hard for me was finding mentorship from people because they didn't really have context into my story. And when I stumbled upon Gary, I was like, this guy gets my life. I, he, he, it felt like he was speaking right to me because he went through similar experiences. He's 15 years older. So he's gone through a lot of the things, the challenges, the adversities that I was going through, running my own digital consulting business locally in Philly, and also helping my dad in the cafe business. Right. Uh, So that's when I stumbled upon Gary, and I went all in on his content. Uh, On the way to to the cafe, for example, I was opening at 530. I listened to Gary's content and learned and tried to pick up one or two tactics or ideas or insights or wisdoms that I could use for the day. And early last year, we built a cafe back up. We opened a new location. Things are going well. And I, I kind of felt like I needed to take control of my life again. Uh, I was always on somebody else's schedule and always answering to people, whether it was my dad or clients. Uh, and I, I moved to Bali. And I know this is a little bit longer, but I think the context is, is definitely important for people. Mm-hmm. I moved to Bali to, to get the habits, rituals, and routines that we kind of covered in the beginning of Mm -hmm. this uh, podcast. And I came back from Bali literally refreshed. Uh, I I felt like I found my purpose again, and I knew time time had come to move to New York. Uh, I'm from Philly originally. Time had come to move to New York and uh, (laughs) take my talents to New York was kind of a funny way I positioned it and see what had happened, what would happen. Um, And just serendipitously, I was playing 6 a.m. hoops. Uh, it's a like, kind of a pickup league we have here. We play basketball at 6 a.m. Every, mo- uh, every morning during the week. And one of the mornings I was there, and I just, the night before, I even called my little sister. I was like, I feel like Gary's going to show up to one of these runs. Now, and why would you behold, feel like that? The, what, I mean, where did that come from? Why did you feel like it was even remotely possible that he was going to show up and play 6 a.m. hoops? Where'd that come from? The overlap. It was the overlap of like the practicality. His, some of his employees play there. So he okay. was at least connected. Okay. Um, and I knew he played there once or twice a year. Okay. And I just, so it was a mix of, I think, practicality and intuition. But truthfully, I don't know where that kind of stuff comes from. I'm still okay. young. I'm, I'm not even 30 yet. So I'm, the more, the, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Right. <laughs> and I don't know where that comes from, Lori. Yeah, yeah. But Uh-oh. there was, so there was, I mean, there was a reason that you would even allow yourself to think that because he had been known to show up there maybe a couple times a year and some of his people were playing there. So it wasn't totally outside of the realm that you had the thought that, ooh, you know, he's going to show up. It, it, and that's a lot of ways that how I think about my, this newfound uh, is just putting myself in a position to succeed or meet someone or build a connection. And then kind of letting go of the control of everything else. Right. Because I do, I do think I have really controlling tendencies, or I did. Uh, and I think those come from ego back. Like, we try to control things that are completely not in our control. And that's even with professional and personal, like, many things aren't in your control. And I love the quote, uh, it's a serendipity prayer. Uh, you know, the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity mm-hmm. to accept the things I cannot change. So, yeah, uh, I, I really went all in on that. 
So you have this intuitive hit that he's going to show up and you call your sister and you tell her this. Yep. And then, Next morning and then, he comes in. And funny thing is we're kind of similar stature and height. So we end up guarding each other oh, on, on opposite teams. And he comes down. And, and those who know how I compete, I, I, I'm a different person when I compete. And actually so is Gary, which is cool. Uh, and he, he comes down. He, he gets the ball. He scores on me. Uh, I'm not happy about it. Uh, so I ask for the ball in the next play. I go to my patented pull-up jumper from, like, the elbow uh, right around the foul line, for those of you who play ball. Uh, and and I, make, I make the shot. And, and that's really kind of the highlight of that morning. Um, there's a part where he's sitting down, and I just go up to Gary, and I say, hey, I'm a big fan, and I really appreciate what you do for people. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's really the extent of the conversation. Okay. Fast forward about a month, right around a month. Uh, he's doing like a, one of those Gary V Q and A's late at night. And he just released empathy wines, the Rose, which is fire uh, just went live or just went in, like, available for purchase. And he said, anybody who, you know, wants, this is a really important project of mine. Uh, it means the world to me. It's what I've wanted for a long time to have my own private label wine. If you buy wine and you could support me, I'd more than happy to call you tonight. Um, so sc- scraping by in New York, buying and flipping things. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I've a, I, I made a few sales that week. Why don't I take a shot? Uh, and I, I end up buying the same package you did, the Club Empathy, uh-huh. uh, which is a case of rosé, a case of white, and a case of red. Uh, that's 9 p.m. So 9 p.m. goes by. He doesn't call. 10 p.m. goes by. He doesn't call. 11:30. He ends up calling me, and I, I like to go to bed early. Truthfully, I, I like to be in bed by 9:30 because uh, yeah. I'm tapering off at that time. Uh, and I'm like, "Gee, like I don't know if you remember me, uh, but we play basketball against each other." And he said, "This is the ultimate compliment you can give me." He said, "I do remember you. I love the way you compete." Nice. Uh, and I pride myself on how I compete because I don't think I'm naturally physically the most talented. Uh, but I do think I lock in when I'm playing sports and I, I take a lot of pride in that. So he really, really, I love that compliment. And he said, you know, like, what can I do for you? And I said, Gary, I, I love, I love connecting with people. I love sales. I'm a born and bred salesperson. Uh, I would love to get into your ecosystem. And he said, so funny how timing works. We've been wanting to add a salesperson, a sales culture here at Vayner for some time. How about you come in and meet? Uh, and I was pumped, <laughs> super pumped. I was like, this is great. He's like, yeah, like I love how people compete. Like Nate, for example, from Empathy Wines. Uh, I think Gary met him playing volleyball and loved how he competed. Uh, so it is a running theme here. Uh, mm. But it's actually harder to end up getting a meeting because Gary's so busy. Yeah. So the meeting that I had with Gary probably got rescheduled five times and it ended up getting rescheduled. And, and truthfully, you know, I, I love life happens for you, not to you. So yeah. like those reschedulings were all happening at the right time for the right purpose. And, and I really big shout out to Tyler Schmidt here. He Gary, you know, Gary gave me an at bat, but Tyler kind of threw the pitch right down the middle. And what Tyler decided to do was, why don't we do an Uber meeting? In with like Gary's driver, where we go from Hudson Yards to like a meeting on the Upper West Side, uh, and it gave me undivided. Like Gary was fully present; he wasn't distracted because he, it was in that setting. We were sitting in the back seat. It's actually recorded by Dustin, uh, and just to back yeah. up a little bit, if you're for people out there, if you're ever going to a meeting or an interview or something like that, don't show up empty-handed. Uh, get a little context on what the person likes. And even if it's something small, make sure you show up with something. Yeah, because so that's what right. I just, I did. did. Mm-hmm. I did. I showed up with uh, his favorite Jets, Joe Namath, uh, trading card and a Jets signed football, which cost me marginal amount of money, 150 bucks for both. But it was an investment into, one, it was, it was an investment, but two, it was just literally I'm grateful to this guy who was able to, who put out free content, who was able to get me through some of the darker, bit more difficult periods of my life. Sure. Uh, 
Sure. And, and yeah, you we, knew what you were looking was, for, right? Because you knew you you have done your homework and you've been listening to this content. So you knew that he was a fan of that. And then you mm-hmm. thought that's a great idea, right? And you went looking for it and bam, it was there available on, was it eBay? Uh, it was Facebook Marketplace. But okay. yeah, who knows how that kind of stuff happens, right? Like literally <laughs> the first listing. The first listing I sent, I looked up New, Jer- New Jersey Jets, uh, and the guy was moving from New Jersey to Texas and trying to get rid of his Jets collection. Funny. Re- huh. Really amazing guy. I met him at Trenton train station as I was getting onto MJ Transit. So that's where you you did the deal. You got your gift, and then you find yourself, you're, you're in the Uber, and you're having your interview. And I think that... Um, uh, I love what you said. Um, there was an insight that you shared in your podcast uh, telling the story about um, taking a walk or a car ride with somebody. Um, was it yes. Any? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I don't remember where I heard it from. I, I, I get a lot of these little tactics from Jay Shetty, so I got to shout him out because yeah. it wasn't my idea. Yeah. Uh, but like, if you're having an argument if you're trying to get on the same page with somebody, frankly, if you're just want to connect and find some kind of rapport, it's a very confrontational setting to be across from each other. It's a much more adversarial setting when you're literally face-to-face kind of looking at it. When you go for a walk or you're kind of facing in the same direction, body language, you know they say that 90% of communication is nonverbal? Right. I think this falls under that category when you're already starting to move in the same direction. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you look at it from that sort of energetic perspective. Mm-hmm. I love it. And what is what is sales really like? Sales at the at its core, and when I say sales, I mean the art of persuasion, not convincing, which people think is the art of persuasion. I think of it as just a transfer of energy. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways. And you can't transfer to someone something you don't feel yourself. Uh, yes. So as much as like that, that, that car ride or the meetings I had with Gary were maybe a culmination, it, it was a lot of, like, like back to Nova and I said, it was a lot of work on myself so that when the opportunity did present itself, I wasn't preparing for it. I was already prepared for it because of my past work. Yeah, you were ready. Mm-hmm. And there you go. So wine, so empathy wine actually is what ultimately uh, was the turning point to connect you with Gary and actually, and that was what connected us. That's pretty interesting. So <laughs> it really is. It really is. <laughs> so, all right, fast forward. So you've been there. And one of the things I heard you say is every morning you get to wake up and step into your purpose. So what do you say to somebody who asks you, well, what exactly is your purpose and, and how are you able to do that, you know, in the role that you have, you know, on Team Gary V with Empathy Wines? Good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't honestly feel that confident even answering it because I'm still, I'm still learning myself. I'm learning about myself. Um, the there, the one way that I do think like a tactic that came to mind as soon as you asked that question, Lori, uh, mm-hmm. is go serve. Uh, when, when we get stuck in thinking about ourselves, I think the answer actually gets farther away. And when we find a way, and serving is different, right? Some people will go serve at a soup kitchen. Others could go to a hospital and work with people that are like sick. Other people would go and work with foster children. Some people could serve right where they are. But when you get out of yourself and start serving others, I think, and I, this is just how it works for me, you realize you're not so different from other people. Everyone has the same desires, passions that you do. Like they, they, everyone wants to be loved. And through serving other people, through giving, you actually get and you feel whole. Uh, Absolutely. And through Empathy Wines, why this is such a blessing is I get to call on people, and and Gary's done the heavy lifting. I I just get to reap the reward, and that's I get someone on the phone, and they tell me how 
eight years ago, they were through going through some of the darker times and they didn't know where to turn because their parents weren't that strong. They weren't a resource for them. Their friends were toxic and their only outlet was Gary's content. And they were able to listen to it and get through some of their harder times, take control of their life, become empowered and are now dominating and happy. So like, I get to serve and connect and hear these amazing stories now that I call people to just talk about empathy wines. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, and, and that's the purpose. I just get to serve. Yeah. I love that. And that's true. In fact, I think it was just last week. Um, the podcast that I did was all about, um, it really was about being of service. Um, it was, I termed it contribution. Contribution is king and it, yeah. and, but it's basically the same thing. And we, um, we talked for quite a while about that. So I'm, I'm totally with you. And it is the, uh, the gift that gives both ways for sure to the, um, whoever is giving is also receiving. So it's, it's, um, everybody. And, and, and I catch it. that. And I catch that warm vibe from you, Lori, by the way, like you definitely, you definitely radiate that. Like you, you always make And even when we were talking, I called about empathy. You made the conversation about me. You wanted to hear about me. And so people feel that and you're really, really good at what you do. And it's obvious how you are here as a, as an interviewer, like you, you have a warm energy about you. Oh, thank you. You know, the, one of the, greatest compliments that I ever received in my life was, mm, was probably, it's probably 15 years ago now, um, maybe even a little longer. And it was, uh, a, a, uh, an acquaintance. And she said, um, to me before we were leaving, uh, parting ways, she said, you know, you always make me feel so good when we have spent some time together. And I never forgot awesome. it because, yeah, I never forgot it because what, you know, that made me feel so good that, that I was, you know, and I wasn't, I was just being myself. I wasn't trying to do anything. And this was before I was you know, coaching and, and doing what I do now. Um, but I thought that is a, if I could do that, if I could always show up in a way that makes other people feel good, I am a happy camper. What I mean, what a, Lori, let what me a ask wonderful you. thing. Yeah, go ahead. As, as you're coaching, right? So you have this quality that you make people feel good. But in coaching, there is this balance of you want to challenge the other person to be their best self at the same time. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of balance those two? Well, that's a broad question <laughs> because I understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody is, um, you know, everyone is unique. Everyone's situation is unique, and everyone's reason for, you know, um, speaking with a coach is unique. But I think, um, you know, it's important. Usually, when people are coming um, to work with a coach, it it's typically, not always, but it's typically because there's something that's wrong or there is a challenge to be overcome. You know, things are just not going the way they want them to. So there's a struggle or a conflict of some sort. And people get so focused on it that they lose sight. They get tunnel vision and they lose sight of everything else around them that is good, everything that they're doing well. And so, you know, part of, part of what I try to be very cognizant of is, you know, dealing with the task at hand and, and helping them, you know, create, uh, what we need to do, what they need to do, um, to overcome, you know, whatever their challenge or conflict is. But the other part of that is making sure that I help continue to direct their focus into all of the wonderful resources that they have and, um, to make sure that they are um, remembering and keeping um, in the front of their awareness um, what they what they the tools they already have, the things that they're doing well, the things that are good in their life, the things they have to be grateful for, you know, turning things to appreciation. And, you know, when you when you shift focus to the um, your strengths and what's good and what's right and what's possible then you kind of starve out the other things. They just sort of wither. And so there's a balance there. Um, and, I like and, that. 
Yeah, yeah. And and people, though, then are feeling more able to rise to their challenges when you help bring their focus back to all of that strength and stamina that that is lurking in there somewhere that maybe they just lost sight of. Make sense? It, it does. And it, it fascinates me. Like, it's cool that you're a coach because it's like with my parents, my parents, I mean, really, my parents aren't, they had me very young. My mom was, is 20. My dad is 25. So we have a really, really interesting relationship. And like now as I've kind of, and I don't want to say I found my purpose. I think I'm working on my purpose. Um, I think they're at a stage where I want to help them or guide them or be an asset or a resource so that they also can find their purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at 40, my mom is 50 and my dad's 55. They oftentimes, and I, they're coming around as well, have felt like, how can I find my purpose? Like my purpose was to have kids, you know, and give you guys the best life that you could have. Um, and I, I, I definitely, gratitude is huge. You mentioned, you touched on it a few times. Gratitude is mm-hmm. so big. It shifts your perspective. Um, but I'm fascinated with when you coach and you deal, I'm assuming you deal with like the, that generation of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what, what do you, what do you say to them? Like, you're 50 and 55 and you're trying to find your purpose. What would you say to them, Lori? Well, you know, I think, first of all, sometimes um, let's take your what you said about your mom, for example. Um, and she thought her purpose was, you know, to have kids and to help you, you know, create a wonderful life. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, that's okay. That I don't know that there's any more massive, meaningful purpose than that. When, when your purpose in life is to be a a parent or a mom and you are totally focused and fulfilled in making human beings and raising, contributing, you know, um, members of society, I don't know what greater purpose there is than that. So I think for like a woman, for example, if that is, totally 100% fulfilling her. She doesn't need to think that, oh, maybe I'm not, you know, I'm maybe I'm supposed to be doing something else. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some other purpose I'm supposed to have. If she doesn't know what it is and nothing's calling to her, she doesn't have to go create something that doesn't exist. Like, well, I need a purpose. Well, I mean, you just like raised a couple of awesome kids and a family and you just, you know, that's, that's pretty massive. Now, that's very, very fulfilling for a lot of people. They don't need anything else beyond that. And that's okay. And I think sometimes society can, you know, influence you, particularly women into thinking, well, that's just not good enough. You need to, you need to be able to, you have other gifts surely that you need to put out into the world. And maybe that's true, but maybe that's not true for a lot of people. And I, I think that, there have been a lot of women who have felt like, oh, is this just not, I'm not enough if I'm just a mom. Like, okay, you're just a mom. You just make people. I don't know. I think that kind of trumps everything myself, but whatever. Um, But then there are people that, you know, that's awesome, but they also have something else. They also have some other gifts or talents or things that are calling to them. And then, you know, if you, um, if you have the the uh, the support and hopefully the encouragement mm-hmm. and even that's always nice. If you don't, then you know you got to follow the calling. I think you have to if you really want to be fulfilled. I think you need to follow what's calling to you. So if something is calling to you after your kids are grown and now you're like, well, I've, I've got all this time. I could do something. I don't even know what it is because I haven't given it much thought. Well, then it's time to just start playing, you know, and trying some things and having fun and Can allowing I tell you what yourself. You, yeah. And, and that's, and you know, what's cool about that. She did two things and I couldn't be more proud. Um, so one and this is, if you knew my mom, she's so out of her comfort zone. She went and took an improv class. Wow. Like an eight-week course. Uh, and that's so inspiring. And here's the second thing. Like, my mom, oh, mom. Was, has always been my biggest, right, biggest cheerleader. And she was the same for my little sister. Uh, and as we left the house, she, she thought, you know what? 
and she, she's a computer programmer developer. She's been doing it for 30 years. She's like, I'm going to go get a part-time job at our local gym. Our local kind of gym is, has the same customers there every single day. And what she does, she works the front desk and she's become the cheerleader for the people there mm-hmm. to make them believe that, Hey, you're noticed. I love that you showed up five times this week. Yeah. And she said that has been such a fulfilling feeling for her. Yes. That is so cool. It is again, cause you're making people feel, feel good in some way. They feel, they feel welcome and they feel seen and they feel valuable. Um, and that's again, such a wonderful gift to be able to give to people and bravo to your mom. I mean, she really, she like took a leap, uh, improv class. That's awesome. That takes some, that takes some courage. <laughs> that's awesome. I am. I'm proud of, I'm proud of her and my dad so much. They're, um, they're my heroes. Mm, Even though, l- let me not get it twisted. I fight with them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's not get it twisted. They're my heroes. But we 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 are uh, we're immigrants from Ukraine, so we have a tendency to be very opinionated, and we do we have quick fights that are explosive, and then they, we we put them to the side. Oh, nice! So it's like a burst; everybody gets it out, and then you just go, "Okay, done with that." On on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like it. I like it. You know, there was one thing you said. Um, in your podcast, there was a point where you said, I took inventory. Do you remember that for yourself? Mm-hmm. Can you explain what you meant by that and, and your process? Because I think that was kind of a, an interesting, valuable process to share with people. I, um, I don't know when I became introspective. I bike a lot. So I think a lot when I'm biking. Uh, and there was just a point I was running, like I ran a digital marketing consulting business. It was a small business that we helped realtors, doctors, lawyers kind of develop a digital presence, website, uh, consulting, social media, help them kind of digital makeover. And the idea came to me from when I was uh, doing that same thing for my dad's cafe. Um, and there's just a point, like if, you, if people who have run client service business or dealt with clients, and also keep in mind, I was also working at my dad's cafe uh, eight, nine hours a week, uh, eight, nine hours a day, uh, where I just felt like I was living somebody else's life. I was always on someone else's terms and on someone else's time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't learning or growing. It just felt like I was living somebody else's life. And I was like, how did I even get here? I was like, it's my life. Like I have to be, I have to put my head on the pillow and be proud of what I'm doing. And and truthfully, it it came to a point where it it wasn't that. Uh, And it's to other people. Like, I I think I've done this in smaller scales my whole life, but like to some people, it seemed like a really drastic thing. I was like, dad, like I need to leave. I wrapped up the projects for the clients and I just like, I have one and a half months. I'm going to wrap things up the right way. And then I'm going to move to Bali, move, travel. Uh, and I don't even know why Bali. Um, it's just like, you know, like, again, the intuition just clicked. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I was just like, I'm going to take inventory of my life. I'm going to work on personal growth and personal development. I want to be, I want to come out of Bali a better person than when I entered. Uh, and it was really, it was actually like, it's one of those things that's simple, but not easy. It was just like, yeah, I, I need to, I need to get, I need to get back to me. Mm-hmm. Andrew, I was going to ask you next to share a going rogue story. And I feel like you might've just done that. Going rogue. <laughs> I feel, and I think people who know me has, would say I've always been rogue. Mm-hmm. How do you define rogue, Lori, if you don't mind? Yeah. Well, when I say going rogue and I ask a guest to share a going rogue story, it's basically asking them to share, um, you know, a time or a story or stories in their life when they were, you know, like on a path and they were going in one direction. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they just couldn't continue to go in that direction. And they just like, 
I say took a hard left. They just did something that was totally in a different direction or totally unexpected outside of protocol, just outside of the norm for them. And they just kind of went rogue and they went way over here, did something nobody saw was coming. And then maybe it was scary. Maybe it was challenging. Maybe it was hard, but they did it anyway. And it ultimately ended up changing the course of their life for the better. That's how I describe it. I love that. I love that. And you're right. That is a, that, that is a going rogue story because I've always prided myself on my energy level and my work ethic. And what happened at that point uh, and it was probably a, a culmination of small things. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, what it was, how do I even uh, kind of word it here? Uh, it was completely out of the ordinary for me to want to leave work and travel. I, I wasn't someone who ever dreamt of traveling. I've always dreamt of being a really successful businessman. Mm-hmm. But it was at a stage where the more input, the more work I did, I would actually get less out of it. And I never like, you know, actually Gary talks of work, 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 action, action, action. Uh, and I've always had that gear, but there, that point it was like, wow, I'm doing, the more I do, the less result I'm getting. And, and some people characterize that. And I think I started to get in that place. It's called resistance. You know, like yeah. when you're pushing a rock up the hill, but it keeps rolling back down on you. Yes. And I couldn't understand that. I'm like, I'm doing the right things. I'm trying to help my dad. I'm trying to help these clients. Why am I? And this is inside of my head. And of course, I'm calling my mom and talking to her. And she's an angel. And she she's just like helping me through all this. And I was just like, why am I not getting output? Why are the results not where they are? And I, I don't, I, it felt like, you know, maybe a step or two back will propel me 10 steps forward. Uh, and that's kind of how the decision formed. It was like, because traveling for me oftentimes felt like a step back. Now, of course, I don't see it like that at all. And I would urge people to find time to travel and uh, explore themselves. Uh, but at that point, it felt like I was just completely taking a step back, like all these clients and relationships I worked for. Where would they be? The cafe that my dad and I put our heart and soul into. What would happen if I wasn't there? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it really felt like a step back to take 10 steps forward. Uh, And and I learned so much about myself in Bali. You know, the, um, the analogy that comes into my head, the vision when you say that is, you know, going backwards to go forward. It's like a slingshot. It's like you you got to go backwards and then it's just, but that, that backward motion just catapults you forward. And it seems like that's what we, happened. Yeah. But why do, well, I don't know why I had the thought that more, why is taking, why is taking a personal time? Why is traveling con- like considered a step back in our culture where working more is considered a step forward? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that mindset, and I I had that mindset, is actually backwards, you know? Like, kids at 18, they're graduating from high school, they're 18 years old, and they're slacking off their high school year anyway, senior year, they're having the time of their life, and literally right from there, we push them into college without giving them even an ounce of opportunity to explore themselves, to find their purpose through, you only find your purpose through challenges. You only really find your purpose when you step outside your comfort zone. And here you are. Okay. You just finished high school, go to college. And it's like, when do they, when do they develop themselves? I know they can develop marketing, engineering, communication skills, but when are they going to find the skills of how to communicate in a, another place or another country with new people? How yeah. are they going to learn the skill of asking for help? These are skills that are like only formed through experience. Yes. Yes. And I think, uh, I think that actually that is an awesome topic for another podcast because it's massive and I agree with you. And I think it is, uh, an old paradigm that is, um, being chipped away at, you know, as we speak, um, because it's true. You, you really are very limited with the being able to deal with 
people and communication and the practicalities of the world by just staying in the institution of school. Um, and then there's a whole host of other things that I could go into a big rant on right now. And I will not. <laughs> it's kind of one of those don't get me started things. So <laughs> let's definitely tee that up for something else. But I think, you know, what I think you, we'll have a second episode for sure, Lori. I think we need to for definitely, definitely. <laughs> but I think I love your going rogue story, though, that you just um, even though you felt like, oh, this is going to be frowned upon. You you did it. You went rogue. You went to Bali. And it seems like after, you know, after that, things things began to turn. And now, you know, here you are in New York working with Gary V. I I mean, it's pretty awesome in a relatively short period of time. It is. It, it, it's funny how you say relatively short period of time. It, it feels like this this has been a culmination of a lot of hard work. Uh, but truthfully, it's literally in a day, and I feel this every day when I come in, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm just getting started and I have so much to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for like the opportunity. Really, the, the thing I'm most grateful to be a, is to be a part of Team Gary V. Uh, like, just spending time around that group, it's incredible how well Gary curates his people and the culture they're so talented. They're so smart. But here's the kicker: they ha- they have no ego. They're willing to help at the drop of a drop of a hat. Uh, and every single day, I I learn something new. I'm challenged. Uh, how the team runs? We have these like impromptu heavy hitter projects where it's like beginning of the day. We need to create digital assets, which are just like p- videos or posts for Gary. Mm-hmm. We form into different teams and we go. And I, I, as much as I'm a, I, I love Gary, the true benefit is being around his team and learning from them. That's awesome. You know, one of the things you said just a, uh, a minute ago was that you feel like you're just getting started and you have so much to learn. And I can tell you that that is a wonderful feeling to hang on to, like, every single day, no matter how much you feel like you've already learned and you've already done this, there's always the next best thing. I mean, I'm a lot older than you. I have, I I have a daughter and a son that are actually a couple of years older than you. And I can tell you that I still wake up every day and go, Oh, I think I'm just getting started now. I just feel like I'm really starting to get going now. And yet there's still so much to learn. I still have that kind of attitude pretty much every single day. And that's what makes, I think, life so exciting. I think that when you, if you ever get to that place in your life where you feel like, well, there's nothing left for me to do, or I pretty much know everything I need to know, you're toast. (laughs) You're just toast. That is not a place you want to be. I'm fascinated by that. Because as kids, we all have growth mindset. So I break it into growth mindset and non-growth mindset. I've been thinking about that so much and I can't understand why and when and how people lose their growth mindset because as kids, we're always learning new stuff. We're always jumping into new things. We're always trying new, new things. And what is the point? When is this? Is it a point? Is it a transition? Why do people lose that growth mindset? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't answer that. I don't know why. I mean, there are a million reasons, I guess, why people lose it. You know, people just, uh, you know, maybe I think when people find themselves in circumstances that are that are, you know, either unfulfilling or just really negative. Um, it, sometimes it's just hard for people to pull out of that and they just sort of go into survival mode and they just either you know, they don't have the support or they just don't know how to move through it. And then, you know, that's where you get into that place of they're not growing. And, you know, when you're not growing, you're dying. And you're, if you're not dying physically, you're dying, you know, emotionally or spiritually. And so, you know, you're just what's the difference? truthfully, what's the difference between those two, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but uh, you know, it's, it's different for different people. And, um, but I agree, you always have to feel like you're growing and you're thriving in some way. It doesn't matter how big or how small, but some way you've got to feel like, 
your because that's the nature of I believe the nature of the soul anyway is expansion. You're expanding and you're extending. And so when you're not doing that, there's like an internal conflict because you're going against your nature. Does that make sense? I love that. You're, the soul, uh, I love the soul expansion thing. I, mm-hmm. Do you listen to uh, Super Soul by Oprah? Um, I do on occasion, not, not a lot, but I'm, you know, uh, I do when I get a chance and I, uh, many of her guests I've studied or, or listened to or read or so very familiar with it. Very inspiring fact about me. That's a fun little fact about me for all those out there. I, uh, I love Oprah. (laughs) I don't know why, but she's just a kindred soul and I really love Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't think you're the only dude out there that's listening that's an oprah fan for sure i mean she's she's pretty cool yeah yeah she makes people feel good and her guests make i mean that's what it's all about is you know helping people become their best selves and you know who doesn't love that um so it's all good it's all good so Andrew, I think that we could probably spend another, I don't know, six hours talking, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to ask you to share where people can find you, like your social media, your podcast, let everybody know so that they can go check it out, please. Cause it is really cool. I really enjoy it. I appreciate it. Cause on my end, I'm don't even know what I'm doing most of the time, other <laughs> than going on my phone and hitting record. Uh, my, my Instagram, and this is going to confuse some people, but I'll just, it's called Mamba's Fadeaway. Um, okay. I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. I love Kobe and his nickname is Mamba, M-A-M-B-A. Okay. So it's Mamba's with an S, Fadeaway, like the basketball shot, F-A-D-E-A-W-A-Y. Okay. Uh, So it's confusing. It's okay. Uh, but once you get to know me, it'll make a lot of sense. (laughs) <laughs> and my podcast is called No Overnight Success. Yeah, perfect. It's a great podcast and it's on all the platforms, I think, pretty much. You can find it anywhere, right? Incredible. With like one click of a button, uh, it just publishes everywhere. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, learn- I'm learning all of this stuff uh, as we go. I editing all that stuff it's 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 a work in progress it really is yeah hey i'm kind of doing the same thing so it's all good it's all good um last question before we go andrew what would you say is the value of going rogue somebody asked you why was that important what would you say why is that valuable Two things. Um, going rogue is like being insular. And, and I think it's important to understand it's really at the end of the day, as much as your mom or your people, whoever is the closest person in the world to you, they only know you for a small percentage. And most of the rest of your life is spent by yourself. So going rogue, I just think about it is making decisions for me. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're selfish. It's making the decision for myself without the judgment or input of other people externally. Uh, I think that's really, really important. I think people should take uh, inventory of that a little more into, Mm. are they making this decision for somebody else? Are they taking this action for somebody else? Or Mm. is it really their true self? Uh, And when I hear rogue, that's where my mind goes. I like it. I like it. So that was one, right? You said two things, or was that both of them? That's both of them. Okay. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I lost track. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> we got it all in. Thank you, Lori. It's been, it's been so much fun. I, I love this format. I love how – I feel like you could get to know somebody so well through this format. Yeah, this was fun. I am so happy that this came together um, so quickly and easily, which means obviously it was meant to happen. And I think we, uh, I think we shared a lot of great stuff, valuable things, which are important. I like to make sure that everybody has something that they can take away that they can probably apply to their own life. And I, I think that you've shared just wonderful things. I feel like this was kind of a 
it's like a little bit of a talk soup style that we did. We just fit a lot of stuff mm -hmm. in. We, I can't really use that though since it's used, but so we're going to call it like talk stew, which is like, it's, that's more hearty and substantial anyway than soup. So that's what we did today. I, I like, love that. Right? It was like toss to. <laughs> anyway, Andrew, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, we will be in touch soon. Be well, my friend. Thank you, Lori. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Be sure to check out Andrew's podcast. Uh, I invite you to order some Empathy wine and enjoy a glass of wine while listening to it. It's called, again, No Overnight Success. And um, hey, follow it up with another episode of We're Talking Shift, right? Definitely. I hope you love what you heard today. Please go on and subscribe to We're Talking Shift if you have not already done so. And show me some love with a rating. That would be awesome. And guys, head on over to lauribischoff.com or we're talking shift.com to find out how you can get private coaching with me. I will be more than happy to help you make some shift happen in your life. Of course, you can connect with me uh, with all of the um, social media platforms. I'm everywhere. Thanks for listening, you guys. Until we meet again, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some shift happen. You too, Mr. Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.